Good morning and welcome to the second Sunday of Advent as we celebrate peace and Terry did such a good job with the Advent candles as the main issue with peace is simply this above and beyond all we have peace with God in salvation through Jesus Christ and if nothing more that's the best message today right man and God creation creator at peace but before we get in I thought I'd share a little hopefully share a little Christmas fun we got to start off with a little little joy right uh, in our second season of Advent so the story goes this way it was coming up to Christmas in good old England and Sam and his mom uh, were talking and, and Sammy wanted a new bike for Christmas so his mom told him that he would have to write a letter to Santa Claus to get the bike and see what happened. Well, Sammy had just played a vital role in the school nativity play, and he said instead of writing to Santa, he would prefer to write Baby Jesus. So his mom said that would be fantastic. He'd write the letter to Baby Jesus, she'd mail it, and we'd see what happened on Christmas Day with the bike. So Sammy went into his bedroom and he sat down and he wrote this quick little letter. He said, Dear Jesus, I've been a very good boy and would like to have a bike for Christmas. Well, he looked it over and he thought, well, that's not exactly true, you know, so he scratched that all out. He got a new piece of paper and he wrote down again. He wrote a new letter, it said, Dear Jesus, I've been a good boy most of the time and would like a new toy for Christmas. And he looked at it and he's like, I'm writing a baby Jesus and that's just not true. So he crumpled that letter up and he got a new piece of paper and he wrote a third letter and he said, Dear Jesus, I could be a good boy if I tried hard and especially if I had a new bike for Christmas. <laughs> well, little Sammy knew in his heart that wasn't exactly true either. So he crumpled that up and the poor little frustrated boy went out for a walk to try and get his thoughts straight and come back and write a final letter. And as he was walking around the neighborhood, he came across a nice Catholic home and out in front was a little statue of the Virgin Mary in the garden. And Sammy looked over and he thought for a minute and he jumped the fence and he grabbed the little statue of the Virgin Mary, he tucked it under his coat, he ran home and he threw the Virgin Mary under his bed and he pulled out a piece of paper he said, Dear Jesus, if you want to see your mother again, you better send me a bike. <laughs> Well, hopefully you got a laugh out of that. There's no sarcasm meant too much in that. But, you know, I saw that. It's cute. It's laughable. And the reality is it's laughable because we kind of have that attitude sometimes, right? I mean, we're, we come to prayer. We pray to God. We're like, well, I've been doing so good. And it's like, well, that's not exactly true. And we keep going through these things. And it's like we, we complicate Christmas, don't we? I mean, we complicate life all the time, but then Christmas comes and it's supposed to be this hopeful, joyous season, you know, filled with joy and peace and love and laughter. And we're miserable, right? And we're decorating like crazy. We're shopping. We're doing all this stuff. We're worried about who is coming over for the Christmas dinner and the family members we don't like. And we complicate Christmas. And like little Sammy, every Christmas often leaves us a little disillusioned, a little sad, a little regretful, and that's not the way the season is supposed to be, is it? It's supposed to be a, a season of advent, of anticipated coming of Jesus, of excitement, of sharing the peace, the gospel, of rejoicing, and uh, a season of, of giving and sharing and blessing others. The arrival of Jesus some 2,000 years ago brought with it the promise of peace. 
And that promise continues for us today. But sometimes, if, you're, if we're honest, we kind of wonder where that peace is, don't we? I mean, we read the Bible where it says, and peace on earth, and we're going, man, our world is a mess. It's in total chaos. Where's the peace? Well, today we want to look at that as we continue our journey back to Bethlehem, where the miraculous birth of Jesus changed our world and our lives forever. With the arrival of Christ coming into the scene on this world, in that advent, that first advent of Christ anticipated coming from the prophets of old, Isaiah and the others that foretold about the coming of Christ, and then that one silent night, it happened. And there was peace for a small family. We complicate Christmas with decorations and with uh, stories of the Grinch and hoo-hahs and presents and food and the right clothes and the ugly sweater contest and all this stuff. But you know, back on that first Advent, it was quiet. Jesus was ushered in into a busy, bustling city as people came in for the, the census. But a father and a young mother and a small baby were tucked away in a quiet place in a little barn, probably caved out in the side of a hill, sleeping in there with the animals. And all the family was concerned about was the welfare of their son. And even though there we always hear about the animals and the, the cattle and the sheep, I think it was quiet because it was evening, it was night. And even on a farm, for most of the time, Ellen, you can correct me on this if you're right, but at night the animals are quiet and it's peaceful and they're at rest. And there was this young family that first advent that although this bustling city is going crazy around them and the, the vendors are doing things and the family's there for the census and they're looking for food and have to eat, this one family, the birth of Jesus was just enjoying the moment where they were safe their son was healthy, and they were together. It was a beautiful, beautiful, peaceful moment and a beautiful first Christmas gift of the Christ child. That's such a different picture that we have Christmas, isn't it? It's still beautiful, but I think sometimes we need to go back because we take the story out of context. We think we have to have all this and all this and all this for it to be Christmas, but Christmas is in the heart and it's in the soul and it's in the spirit. And if we look back at that first Christmas where Christ was ushered in, the preciousness of that moment, the stillness of that moment, the peace of that moment, the fulfillment of all the prophecies was a beautiful moment. And where they were, it wasn't noisy. It wasn't bustling. It wasn't madness about all these things. It was the fulfillment of God's promise to a young family. But it was being together and safe in a warm place of protection. And it reminds us that this Christmas season, I hope we remember the simple moments the special moments, 
that whether we get the tree decorated night or right, or if we even get the tree up at all, or we don't get invited to the Christmas party or our work cancels their Christmas party, that you know it's all okay because we have a savior. We're at peace with God and salvation. We have a family. We have breath in our lungs. And as long as today is called today, until we're with Christ, we have a ministry. And it's time to look back like Mary and Joseph did on their newborn babe and realize the preciousness of life. Not only life in a child, but life eternal with God, with the gift of Jesus. Last week we talked about hope. This week we talk about peace. And it's ironic that in our world of trying to attain peace, we get so busy and anxious, we actually give it up. We almost wound ourselves trying to create this peace that God has already given us, right? Trying to make a peace by being busy and anxious and all this stuff, what God says, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, but as I give. And it's an eternal peace. And as we said earlier, the big fact about the peace of Christmas is the peace in our heart to know that we are at peace with God. Because before salvation, the Bible tells us we were, what? Enemies of God. We were at war with God. And we were not at peace with God. And through the birth of Jesus and his salvation, we are now made to be at peace with God. And I think sometimes, and I'm guilty of this also, that we forget that's what the peace is really about. We think that the peace is something that we have to work to attain or create or, or sense and feel. And it's just the reality that we, through salvation in Jesus Christ, are at peace with God. We're no longer at war. And we can enjoy that. Philippians 4, 6, and then we'll be in Isaiah 11. But Philippians 4, 6 to 7 says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, notice that? That's a key thing. The peace of who? The peace of God. It's not our peace. It's not a peace we create or we attain or we have or we buy. It's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Isn't that really an amazing thing? That when we trust God in that faith, when we give ourselves completely to him, we stop trying to create something that God has already given us and supplied us, that the peace of God is given to us. It's his peace. And he says his peace surpasses all comprehension, all understanding. In my own little simple mind, I like to think that it doesn't make sense because when we have the peace of God, once again, it's not built on circumstance or situation, whether we're going through struggle or trial or a good time, whether we're poor or rich, whether it's Monday or Tuesday or the weekend, the peace of God surpasses all those things 
because it's within our heart and it's the peace of God. And it reminds us to be still, that God's peace will cover us. In fact, Philippians says, this peace of God that surpasses all understanding and anything that makes sense that it's just, it, there's a peace where we think there shouldn't be a peace, we're told it will guard our hearts. It will protect us. It will keep us safe. Don't we long for safety? That in a crazy world, we long just to be in a place where we have love and comfort and safety. And God's peace, when it ushers into our hearts and we're at peace with God, not only is given to us freely, and it takes away the anxiety, it takes away the hurriedness, but it guards our hearts. It protects us from this wicked world of sin, from this world of weariness of all that is out there. It covers us. Reality is, the Bible states that to live fully, we must die to ourselves and live in Jesus Christ. And that's the only way that we can attain this peace. We have to realize again, once again, that first Advent, that first Christmas, in its simplicity, how peaceful it really was, and it's completely counterculture to the craziness of our world. In fact, I often think with all the marketers and all the advertisements on TV and all the stuff, it almost makes us a little crazy, doesn't it? It, it, it bring, breeds anxiousness and anxiety instead of peace. And yet at the end, it's like, well, Merry Christmas and God bless you and be at peace. And we're going, you're driving me nuts, right? God's peace was simple. In Isaiah chapter 11, verses 6 to 9, we see a picture of real peace and harmony that, again, surpasses all understanding. Before we read that, I want you to put, place in your mind a picture of the animal kingdom. Lions and lambs and snakes and children. Those things don't mix, do they? I mean, Christy and I, my when we were growing up having the boys, our favorite thing was to find a, a den of cobras and let the boys go play out there. Wouldn't you think that would be great? You know, take our children out in the, the wilderness and put them with a pack of wolves? Well, you think child services would be on our tail? Absolutely. But here's what we read in Isaiah 6, or Isaiah 11, verses 6 to 8, as the prophet tells us about the peace that is coming that doesn't make sense. It goes beyond comprehension. Isaiah 11, 6 says this, And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat. And Richard and I are going, yeah, for dinner. But that's not the picture, is it? It's a picture of two opposing enemies, a predator and a victim living in harmony. And the calf and the young lion and the fatling together. And a little boy will lead them. And the cow and the bear will graze. And the young will lie down, and their young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. And the nursing child will play by the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child will put his hand into the viper's den. It's a picture of harmony, of peace 
again, that as Philippians says, surpasses what? All comprehension and understanding. I mean, we look at this picture and we're like, this should not make sense because we know that we live in a world of brokenness and sin and the lion and the lamb don't get along together because one wins, right? But Isaiah's prophecy about when the Messiah comes says there will be the restoration of God's peace of how we first created it before sin entered the world. And it's something so foreign to us, we're like, how can that be? How can that be? And to elevate this peace a little further because we are a broken people in a broken world filled with sin, we see this picture of the animals living in harmony and getting along with each other and children playing with vipers and snakes and, and, and animal kingdom enemies enjoying their time together and to make it even more impacting to realize that we as individuals sinful people could be at peace with God what a crazy thought isn't it you see that's the real meaning of Christmas to be at peace with God peace that doesn't make sense, a, a peace that's not fair, it's, it's not justifiable, but it's freely given for those who accept it. This peace that Isaiah talks about in chapter 11 is the same peace that creator and creation can walk hand in hand together in a garden to walk and to talk, just as Adam and Eve first did, once again in harmony, one, once again. We all know the effect of sin that when Eve was deceived and Adam bought in with her, that the first thing that the couple did when that peace was shattered and broken was what? They hid. They ran from God. And when God called them, they covered their shame or tried to cover their shame before they even came to God. In a matter of one decision, they literally forgot the peace of God that they had been living in that entire time. And so they ran, they hid, and they covered their shame. Man, isn't that something that we can relate with? When we wound or betray somebody, we run from them. We want to hide and cover our shame. We want to cover our sin. We think that we're not worthy to come to God, which we're not. We're embarrassed because we know that God knows all things. He knows what's in our heart, our attitudes, our, our motivation, our woundedness, our wickedness. And yet, he says, I offer you peace. I offer you restoration once again, that you don't have to run, you don't have to hide. We can walk side by side in one another's presence and enjoy all the creation that there is. Jesus exemplifies it not, at the, not just at the beginning of his life as he was the peace that came into the world, but he also exemplifies it at the end of his life. Luke chapter 23 verse 34, Jesus has been crucified and tortured and rejected and betrayed and beaten and mocked. 
And he's on the cross where we remember that, the, that it was a curse to be killed upon a cross. And the Savior himself, the very Son of God, is on the cross paying the debt of our sins. And below him, the guards are gambling for his clothes. The people are looking up and jeering. The religious people are crying out, Hey, you saved others. Save yourself. He was rejected by those he came to save up to the very end. But then he makes this statement that, again, makes no sense. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Man, isn't that like us when we came to salvation, when we were enemies of God? And Jesus is looking down going, you don't have a clue what you're doing, do you? You don't know how bad you're making your life. You're your own worst enemy, much less mine. Let me save you from that. What we learn from this, from Jesus' birth, from these words on the cross where he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing, is this. For us, forgiveness is the doorway for which peace can enter our lives. God has forgiven us, and we must carry on that ministry by doing what? forgiving others. It's not about them earning our forgiveness or being good enough for our forgiveness or repenting for our forgiveness, which is a hard thing for us to grasp. It's because we want justification. And God says, vengeance is mine, not yours. God says, let me carry that burden of judgment. I want you to have peace and freedom. So God says, I want you to do the same thing my son did when he paid the price for the sin, he says, I want you to forgive because that's the only way that peace can truly enter our lives, isn't it? To live in the very image of Christ himself. And what we realize is that God has already done his part. It's now up to us in this Advent season to do what? Our part and forgive others. We must give up our desire for rightness and judgment and vengeance, fairness, because we've died to ourselves. Those things should no longer live in us. And we take on the personification of Jesus, which says, I love you no matter what, and I forgive you no matter what, because I trust that God is big enough and great enough to take care of things in a truly righteous way. John 3.17 tells us these amazing words. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Christ came to save those who would reject him. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful gifts, gifts that we can give to others, but even more so as we realize this Advent season and we talk about peace, that forgiveness is, and biblical truth is, forgiveness is one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves. Because when we forgive, we let the burden go. When we forgive, we drop the weight at the cross and we walk away. When we forgive, our countenance is lifted, the weight upon our shoulders is gone, and we walk away in peace, in peace.
Colossians 1, 19 and 20 tells us that for God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in him in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on a cross. Again, there's where we get the peace. We celebrate that peace in communion, don't we? The symbol of Christ's blood shed for us for what? The forgiveness of sins. When we share in communion, when we share in a Christ-likeness, we realize that his blood was shed, that our sins would be forgiven, and as the Bible says, we would be white as snow. And that's the gospel message that we carry on. Because we look back at, at the world when Christ was ushered in, people often say, hey, where's the peace? Christ was supposed to be peace to the world, and we've been at war ever since. In fact, if you go back and you look, that when Christ was born, the world didn't have peace. In fact, Herod went out and killed every child, male child under two years of age. Do you think those mothers were celebrating the peace of Jesus when that happened? The world was at war because they were still at sin, because they were still enemies of God. But the peace happened in the hearts of Joseph and Mary. The peace happened when the shepherds received the good news of great joy in the field and went in to see the newborn king and to realize this was the Messiah and we can be at peace with God. We shepherds who are outcast and rejects who shepherd the flock by night because the town doesn't want us in there. That was the message that the good news of God was proclaimed to. The outcasts, the has-beens, the unwanted, the Grinches. And then there was the peace of the wise men who came from another land and traveled to bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh to worship this king. And they followed a star to find him. But even in that, Herod was still on vengeance. The religious leaders would be building up for the next 33 years to kill this savior. The world still rejected the peace of Christ. But for those that sought Jesus, for those that looked for him and found him, they left with the peace of God in their heart, knowing that they were reunited and no longer enemies with God. And we have that same peace today as we celebrate with the Advent candle. That the peace that we have is not somewhere out there or over there, we buy, we purchase, we earn, we gain, but the peace of God is already given to us, within us, to know that in spite of our sin, in spite of ourselves, through the shed blood of Christ, we have forgiveness, and we can offer forgiveness in that same manner, no longer carrying a burden, a weight of sin or guilt or vengeance, and we are free, and if the Bible says if we are freed in Christ, we are what? Freed indeed from carrying those heavy things. As we think about this Advent season and we usher into it, we want to remember that forgiveness is a powerful path to the peace that we want to celebrate this weekend. We want to celebrate this season, and as Ken prayed, we want to celebrate all year long. That not only do we have the peace of Christ within us, 
but we can also offer that peace to those who are hurting and need by sharing with them the gospel message of Jesus and reminding them that, hey, if you just accept Christ in salvation and you die to that sinful, striving, anxious self, through the shed blood of Christ, you can have the peace that passes all understanding and all comprehension. And then as we look forward to the second advent of Christ, we remember that prophecy of Isaiah 11, which says, not only will peace be restored in our hearts as men will be made right in relationship with God, but we will actually experience the peace of the lion laying down with the lamb someday. The fulfillment of what the Garden of Eden was first created to be before it was corrupted. What a crazy thought. Hey, Jeremy, go out, play with the wolves, come back when you're done. Right? Hey, kids, you got some cobras in your pocket? That's cool. They wrap it around your fingers? I mean, it sounds like a ridiculous story, but it's that peace that we will be united in Christ in one spirit as one church to glorify God in heaven forever. There'll be no more tears and no more pain, and there'll be peace. Isn't that something to look forward to? True, ultimate peace that at this point in time we can't comprehend because we've never experienced it except for in here. When we accepted the gift of God's Son, His sacrifice for ours, and He forgave us and restored us with God the Father once again. Once again, those good words. Philippians 4, verse 6 to 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You know why? He wants to hear you. Now that we've been made right with him, like when he first walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, he wants to hear us, to be in relationship with us. So we make our requests made known to God and the peace of God, God's peace, which surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. This Advent season, let us not just have hope, the hope that streams through all the centuries and causes us to look forward to the second Advent, but let us also celebrate true peace, not the peace that the earth is the world their culture is trying to manipulate and create but to know that today you and I are at peace with God no more judgment no condemnation in fact the Bible says for those in Christ there is no what condemnation the future of hell has been eradicated and wiped away and what we have to look forward to is all eternity with the angels in heaven praising and glorifying God where we will be at peace with all things. May the peace of God bless your hearts this day as you remember the true peace. May you not be caught up in the busyness, the anxiousness of the world but may you cherish and hold on to the peace that God has already given you, which guards your heart and guards your mind through the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that this Advent season, our hearts would be turned back to you to that first Christmas when 
while the world was still in craziness and bustling around, you and Joseph and Mary were at peace in a simple makeshift place, cherishing the time as family together, the gift of new life, the beauty of family, and the hope of all nations in the Son of God. Lord, this year may we celebrate true peace as we have been forgiven and made right with God and as we forgive others and stop carrying those burdens that hold us down. To you be the glory, the power, the dominion forever and ever. In Jesus' name.